0: Hello everyone. Welcome back to another lesson. This lesson is on coffee and associated health benefits and health risks. So I mentioned associated. A lot of these findings are going to be correlations. That does not imply causation. We just see that there are associations between coffee consumption and certain health benefits and risks. So that's important to take away before we start this lesson. So what is coffee? Coffee is actually derived from the coffee bean, which is a seed of the coffee plant. So it's a very popular beverage utilized around the world. Coffee contains over 1,000 bioactive compounds. We're not going to talk about all of these bioactive compounds, but a lot of them may actually mediate health benefits and risks associated with coffee consumption. Some of them we are going to talk about in this lesson include caffeine, antioxidants, and another group of compounds known as diterpenoids. So we're gonna talk about these a bit as we move along through this lesson. So before we actually get into some of the findings and some of the associated health benefits, let's talk about caffeine and antioxidants briefly here. So coffee contains caffeine, as a lot of us know, and the following antioxidants, chlorogenic acid and caffeic acid. So we're gonna briefly talk about these in more detail. These oftentimes mediate health effects, so the caffeine and the antioxidants. So, in this slide, I'm going to briefly talk about the mechanism of caffeine, but the other antioxidants often have very complex mechanisms we won't talk about in this lesson. So, caffeine can actually cross the blood brain barrier, enter the brain, and have effects on neurons in our brain. So, here is a neuron here. So, caffeine binds to adenosine receptors. So it actually binds to several adenosine receptors, A1, A2A, A2B, and A3. A2A, it's binding to A2A, is actually what mediates its stimulant effects. And this leads to the release of excitatory neurotransmitters. And this is going to become important when we talk about certain health effects later on. So again, caffeine can cross the blood-brain barrier, enter the brain, and bind to adenosine receptors, and particularly A2A is what we see with its stimulatory effects and it oftentimes leads to increased excitatory neurotransmitters so we're going to first talk about neurological health benefits that have been found to be associated with coffee so coffee consumption may reduce the risk of some neurological diseases including parkinson's disease as was found in this article entitled meta-analysis of coffee drinking cigarette smoking and the risk of parkinson's disease and There may be a small reduction in risk of Alzheimer's disease with coffee consumption as well. One mouse model actually demonstrated reduced beta amyloid. So beta amyloid is important in the pathogenesis or pathophysiology of Alzheimer's disease. And these two articles both show some reduction in risk of Alzheimer's disease with coffee consumption or an associated reduction in risk. So the two articles here are entitled Caffeine protects Alzheimer's mice against cognitive impairment and reduces brain beta amyloid production. So this was mentioned here. And then the other article is Alzheimer's disease and coffee, a quantitative review. So these are the two articles. So again, this is a mouse model, so we can't really say too much about this, but there has been some evidence to show an association between coffee consumption and a reduced risk of Alzheimer's disease. So also interesting. Now, the next health benefits we're going to talk about with regards to coffee consumption are in relation to mortality so in this review entitled coffee consumption and health umbrella review of meta-analyses of multiple health outcomes we're going to talk about a lot of different important health benefits that have been found to be associated with coffee consumption and a lot of them come from this review now it has been shown that high coffee consumption generally speaking three to seven cups of coffee per day Associated with a reduced risk of all cause mortality. Again, this is association, so it doesn't imply causation, but we see there's an association here. So, all cause mortality, it could be mortality from a wide variety of causes. This appears to be a dose dependent effect. So, as coffee consumption increases, the risk of all cause mortality decreases. So, there's a dose dependent effect, but it seems to slow down as the amount of coffee consumption increases. Now the effect appears independent of caffeine content. So very interesting here, decaffeinated coffee also showed similar findings. So an individual increases their consumption of decaffeinated coffee, their risk of all-cause mortality decreases as well. Now coffee consumption is also associated with decreased incidence of and all-cause mortality from the following, cardiovascular disease, coronary heart disease, and cerebrovascular disease. And from a lot of the studies that were mentioned in this article, it seemed that three cups of coffee per day was probably the best dosing with smaller decreases and smaller associated benefits with increasing doses of coffee. Now, it was also interesting that women had slightly higher associated benefits, and there was also demonstrated associated benefits after heart attack as well. So even if an individual did have coronary heart disease and they had a heart attack or myocardial infarction, having coffee or consuming three cups of coffee per day after their heart attack, it seemed to also have some associated benefits as well. So again, very interesting, very important. High coffee consumption seems to reduce or is associated with a reduced risk of all-cause mortality and is also associated with a decreased incidence of an all-cause mortality from cardiovascular disease, coronary heart disease, and cerebrovascular disease, so things like strokes. Now we're gonna talk about cancer as well. Now, again, from the same review article, Coffee Consumption and Health, Umbrella Review of Meta-Analyses of Multiple Health Outcomes, this article talked about a certain meta-analysis of 40 cohort studies. And with regards to cohort studies, it's an observational study. So they look at groups of individuals who have had high consumption of coffee and groups that have not, and they compare them. And what they found was that in From 40 cohort studies, there was a demonstrated associated reduction in incidence of cancer. And this was again with high consumption of coffee compared to low consumption of coffee or no coffee at all. And the cancers that showed reduced incidence included liver cancer, leukemia, endometrial cancer, prostate cancer, skin cancers, including melanoma. And an interesting point that was noted was that when looking at studies with associated risks of lung cancer and coffee consumption, High coffee consumption may actually increase the risk of lung cancer in smokers. So very important to make note of, in smokers, high coffee consumption may be associated with an increased risk of lung cancer, but only in smokers. In non-smokers, this does not seem to be the case. Now we're going to talk about the liver. So we talked about the cohort studies that have demonstrated reduced risk of liver cancer, but there's also some other benefits of coffee consumption in liver health as well. And it's all coming again from that review article we talked about. So coffee consumption has been demonstrated to help treat, reduce non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, reduce the risk of liver fibrosis, and reduce risk of cirrhosis. Now we talk about this more in detail in my non-alcoholic fatty liver disease and diet lesson. So if you want more information, please check out that lesson. So again, very important, coffee consumption helps reduce the risk of these. So non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, fibrosis of the liver, so scarring of the liver, and also reduces the risk of cirrhosis and what's important here is that any consumption of coffee seems to lead to a reduction so it doesn't matter if it's very high versus very low consumption of coffee any consumption seems to help reduce the risk of these diseases but oftentimes three cups of coffee per day seems to be the best dosing Now we're going to talk about metabolic diseases as well So again, coming from the same review article, associations between coffee consumption and reduced risk of type 2 diabetes have been consistently found. So very important associations, again, not causation, but there's associations between coffee consumption and reduced risk of type 2 diabetes, and they've been consistently found. Now, there does seem to be some linear relationship, at least up to six cups per day. So as an individual increases their coffee consumption, their risk of type 2 diabetes seems to decrease and usually it's a linear dose dependent response up to six cups per day and again the association appears independent of caffeine content so very important again so there's something in coffee independent of caffeine so we talked about some of those antioxidants that they may be mediating a lot of these health benefits so again decaffeinated coffee shows similar findings and then with regards to other metabolic diseases, high versus low coffee consumption, so you can think of high coffee consumption as being three or more cups per day, low coffee consumption, maybe one cup or less than one cup per day, was associated with a 9% lower risk of metabolic syndrome and lower risk of gout as well. So very interesting. Now that we've talked about some of the health benefits of coffee consumption, let's talk about some of the health risks. So from this article entitled Diterpenoid Steroid in Triterpenoid Agonists of Liver X receptors from diversified terrestrial plants and marine sources, we see there are these compounds known as diterpenoids, especially in unfiltered coffee. So unfiltered coffee contains diterpenoids, including cafestol and colweol, sorry for the pronunciation. And diterpenoids have been demonstrated to increase LDL levels. So LDL, you can think of the L as lethal. So this is the bad cholesterol. And it decreases HDL levels, the good cholesterol, H for healthy. So it increases bad cholesterol, decreases good cholesterol. So that is not a good thing. And components of coffee can cause temporary increases in blood pressure as well. So this is another health risk. But again, this is only temporary increases in blood pressure. And it seems to only occur in casual coffee drinkers. So an individual who drinks coffee consistently every day does not seem to have the same effect. It's only with individuals who don't drink coffee often and have a coffee and then they have this temporary increase in blood pressure. Now there are some associated health risks with coffee consumption during pregnancy as well and again these findings come from this review article. So high coffee consumption during pregnancy is associated with the following harmful outcomes. So one of the associated harmful outcomes with coffee consumption during pregnancy include low birth weight. babies born to moms who consume high levels of coffee during pregnancy oftentimes have a lower birth weight. There's also increased preterm birth, so increased risk of preterm labor, especially in the first and second trimesters. It doesn't seem to occur in the third trimester as much, so this is also very problematic. And there also seems to be an associated increased risk of leukemia in childhood in children who were born to mothers that had high coffee consumption during pregnancy. So, Again, very, very important to recognize the importance of not drinking coffee during pregnancy. So we talk about high coffee consumption, but perhaps no coffee consumption at all would be best during pregnancy. And there's some other health risks as well. These come from the article caffeine and headaches. So caffeine is a known trigger of migraines and can be a cause of rebound headaches especially after ceasing consumption of caffeine or coffee after a long period of time so coffee or caffeine in the coffee acts as an analgesic and if an individual drinks a lot of coffee for a long time and they stop they can actually have a headache and this is actually known as a rebound headache so it's like they've been taking a mild analgesic and then all of a sudden they stop so they get these rebound headaches from that and again caffeine is also known to trigger migraines as well so Migraines and rebound headaches can be something that occurs from coffee consumption. And these other two articles, one entitled Angiogenic Effects of Caffeine in Patients with Anxiety Disorders and the other, entitled caffeine intake Toxicity Independence and Lifetime Risk for Psychiatric and Substance Use Disorders and an epidemiologic and co-twin control analysis, both show some other health risks as well. We talked about caffeine increasing neuroexcitatory transmitters. And this can lead to emotional disturbances, particularly stress and anxiety. So if an individual has some underlying anxiety or some underlying anxiety disorder, the caffeine can make it worse or can trigger stress and anxiety. And again, it's worse in patients with anxiety disorders. And it seems to be the case where this is particularly problematic when there's been greater than five cups of coffee consumed per day. And another issue with high consumption of caffeine is insomnia, so difficulty falling asleep or difficulty sleeping through the night. And from those articles, we also see that caffeine can trigger panic attacks. So similarly to the anxiety component, it can trigger panic attacks, and this can also be another health risk of caffeine. And there's this question, does high caffeine consumption increase risk of psychiatric disorders? So is it that the patient has these psychiatric disorders already, and the caffeine from the coffee makes them worse or triggers them? Or is it that the high caffeine consumption increases the onset or prevalence of psychiatric disorders, particularly anxiety disorders? So very interesting to think about. So I hope you found this lesson helpful and informative. If you did, please give it a thumbs up and consider subscribing to the channel. If you want information on green tea consumption and health benefits and risks, please check out my lesson on that topic as well. Thank you so much for watching, and I hope to see you next time.